This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I've chatted with Anthony and Paddy, who are dads in Sydney and they became dads when their daughter Hazel was born through a gestational surrogacy arrangement with Brie. I have interviewed Brie for the podcast before and I will link her episode in the post so that you can have a listen. I'm going to hand over now to Anthony and Paddy. I hope you really enjoy this episode as much as I did listening to them and hearing their story. My name's Anthony and this is Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. And uh, we've sort of been on the surrogacy um, journey for like six years. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. And it sort of just started as I thought, like obviously like with most people, I think, um, wanting to start a family and, and develop our relationship further and share what we had. Um, and then we just were thinking now that we're in that space and we had a, a, a supportive, you know, strong relationship, like it's a good time to do it. <laughs> yeah. At the time there wasn't much information just appearing a few times in the media for not the good reasons. So it was a bit like um, a bit of research at the start. And to know what's um, what was possible and what was um, learning about domestic, international, when like, trying to find our way through. Uh, yeah, I think that one of the first ones are the, the first uh, media things that brought it to my attention was there was an insight program way back when, and I think. Um, uh, yeah, one of the, what was one of the, the gamey of a twin? Like no, 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 it was even before that. And there, was, there was, a, was an insight episode, I think, a while back, and Rachel Kundo might have been on it. Rachel, that's right. I was just going to her name, yeah. and Rachel was on that, and she was uh explaining how she had helped um, a, a couple with fertility issues, and she had helped another couple, uh, same sex couple, and then she was thinking to do another journey, and then that just really opened my eyes to the to the fact that there was people out there, or these amazing women out there, that um, were willing to help other people uh, have a family and create a family. That blew my mind. I remember sitting on the couch watching that show. And that sort of, it was after that we started chatting about it. And then through, through just being associated with the surrogacy community or going to the annual uh conferences and things i got to meet rachel and it was a weird moment when i first met her it was like oh, i don't know but you had a big impact on my life just from opening up something i didn't know was an opportunity uh, yeah, because as, as a gay couple you kind of when you come out you kind of like have to mourn a bit the idea of having kids so it's something you just think oh uh well i'm gay and i will never be able to have kids and it's only when you like start to build um when it's discovered that actually it's possible and there's some, there's a way that's becoming very like, um, give hope and get excited. So it was like, um, it was very exciting journey to start to look at, um, thing you thought that would be never possible. Yeah. Same for me. I think when I was coming out and I was in my younger years, you like you first start off thinking, okay, I'd love to have a family, love to get married, all that, and then you come to terms with your sexuality, and you think, you know what, to be the truest version of myself and live the most honest version of myself, you kind of had to let some of those things go, and it was the same with marriage because back then, you know, not that long ago, we couldn't even get married, so you sort of 
well, for me, I had to sort of let those things go and get, get, get past and just think, okay, well, I can live a happy, great life without being married and um, without having a family if that doesn't come about and, uh, and, and just live a good, good life. Yeah. And then when these opportunities come up, because it, 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 not that you've let it go, but you've, you've reconciled yourself with, okay, this might not ever happen for me, mm. this, this having a family or having kids or getting married. I, I might still have great relationships and have long-term relationships or, you know, good. Um, but in terms of having a family and things, yeah, you kind of, yeah. I don't know. You, we, I guess from our perspective, we started with the opinion of, okay, if this never happened, we're still happy and have a great life. But if we, if this did happen, like how awesome would that be? And then when it starts to become an opportunity that you could see manifesting, then it's like, it's kind of like you get excited all over again. So it's, it's really quite mm. cool that mm. journey yeah. of discovery again. We were talking just yeah, before it? about there were there was perhaps a lack of the Facebook groups when you first started. How did you find your surrogate, and how did you how did you go about finding a surrogate? Yeah, we when we started looking, it was when it was more just uh, the forum online, and it was a little bit um wasn't very fluid with messaging and checking your messages and things like that. So uh, we went on there. I can't was it Grand of Connection. I think it was. I think it was maybe one of the earlier versions of it. And on there, we sort of, it was a similar thing, but you just wrote a little paragraph about yourself. It was quite difficult to add photos and things. We add a couple of photos. You just, just feel old now. <laughs> it does make you feel a bit old. <laughs> and then just start communicating with people on there. Um, send a pigeon. <laughs> but then I don't know, the Facebook thing, when, it, when the Facebook group got more up and running and busier, I it's just the, the pace of it's quicker. So you actually see so many more stories. Um, and then you can sort of follow them through their, their journeys as well. Whereas with the other, uh, other forums and applications, it's, it's harder to, to get that flow. Um, and then go, going to like the seminars and things, we met people like, you met other people in the community and you see them go through their journeys. And I think after we started that, on the forum and we started talking to people and we started we connected with Brie, our, our, um, our first Hazel surrogate. Um, then even for us, it was all very new. So you, you kind of like coming to terms that this can be a reality in the world. Then you find, oh, there's a whole group of other people in Australia that also do this and it's a reality for them. And then you sort of go out and go to a forum or a get together or something. And, and then meeting people in that same space also, is another level of oh wow! I remember the first one we went to. We went from going. You don't feel alone anymore. Yeah, don't like feel alone. Something connecting people like, and and normalizes it. I think. Yeah, Whereas, because you know, I think it's a lot of things like people don't talk about it, like infertility or even gay couple having kids, and they at this conference, everybody's on the same uh, journey or a similar journey. So there's no judgment about where you're coming from, and maybe more understanding for people who've been suffering from infertility be like okay we're all in the same basket and yeah and, then, and even hearing from like the kids that some of the first kids in australia that were um born by a surrogacy either overseas or locally i remember hearing from them that was pretty powerful um and yeah like patrick said other people on their journeys and also on the onset you know you get caught up in your own world you think oh it's hard being gay and being two gay guys you you know you don't have the biology we don't have 
um, the, the all the ingredients to make a baby. And then when we went to some of these and saw, and even via Facebook and the forum, we see other people's stories, and you think, okay, this isn't just about gay people not being able to have children. It's also about um, you know heterosexual couples with fertility issues as well. And it actually makes you realise that you know it's 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 a broader audience um, yeah. yeah audience that are involved in it then when you see people coming together it's quite it's and, quite cool actually. and actually you realize that for us as gay uh, surrogacy was the start of a journey when for a lot of uh, straight couple they've already been going through a lot of um issue and already, the journey is already a long road ahead with all the the ivfs and things so, or um, medical issues. So when they start to go to the surrogacy, they've already been on this journey for like at least a few years. Mm. And they already have, um, so they have more hope, but we not we feel like lucky we don't have to go through all these medical issues first. So yeah. yeah, so it does help put things in perspective, seeing everyone else on their journeys. It gives you, it grounds you as well. It makes you think, okay, well, we can all, you know, we can get through this and there's, there's opportunities and, and there's difficult times and and everybody goes through that. And um, and I think we even noticed that once we sort of got further along, when we first met Bree, it was, you know, the whole dating thing and learning and meeting the family and getting to know each other and think, is this the right fit? Will will this work? And um, and I think for us, it was more a thing of, okay, when we started meeting each other, thinking, well, I remember the first time we met afterwards, we said, oh, you know, they're the type of people we just would be friends with. They're like our normal friends. And, and then I think that was what really helped for us throughout the whole journey. There's so many intimate and intense things and decisions and choices. And, and, and when you're on the same page or you're, you're both steering the ship the same way, instead of it being difficult with choices and those things, it was supportive. Like we, it was kind of like the doctors might say one thing or the lawyers might say one thing and we think, okay, that's, that's a fair point. Um, and like for whether there's some like optional medication to have or things like that. And we think, you know what, we don't feel that comfortable with that. Do we really need to do that? And then if you're all coming from the same angle, it actually makes it easier because, you know, you give each other confidence with it. So we were quite, well, that was quite, worked quite well for us. And yeah, we so we're quite that. on the same page on this kind of uh, like less medication as much as we can. And Yeah, so we... we and and I guess it was just it's so much about communication. And I think if you, it's just all it's humanity, isn't it? <laughs> Surrogacy is such a humanity rich um, process that everything that's good about humanity and everything that's hard and bad about humanity is like intense, like intensified because it's on a level. It's these personal relation relations on a level that you don't have with normal um, normal events you have unfolding in your life because having a child, bringing a child into your life is usually a, quite a personal thing, a private thing almost. Like you can, if it's, if it's private to the couple, they'll keep, you know, the, they'll tell the news when they like, they'll, they'll try when they like, they don't necessarily disclose all that. But our journey felt so much more public, I think, because we needed public help. And um, and then you have so many other parties involved. We had a net, one family member was an our egg donor, and then we had Bree and her family helping us um, birth and, and grow Hazel. Yeah, and you have like counsellors and 
and I always joke about even the cab driver is involved. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you feel like you have need to, and sometimes you feel quite angry through the journey because you feel like, why we need to get the authorization to do it, and why, like, you know, when we need validation from that. Definitely, some uh, of the steps are definitely challenging, and some of the different professionals have different perspectives and different styles. Um, we notice that a lot with counselling, and even the doctors and, and the nurses. Even some lawyers, yeah. Find sometimes we like give their opinion, not really required. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that we found that quite a, a bit. We thought, okay, we want the professional advice, but we don't need the loaded personal opinion. And the neighbours can give you their opinion, and, and, and you have to involve your work because you know to explain your work, and uh, but you're going to be away for six months. <laughs> and your oh, family thing. So it just felt more. I think that was a hard thing for us, especially both of us. We're very. We've both sort of created our own lives independently. So we both, um, you know, we, Shy. <laughs> we both had moved away from home, not super young, but like Patrick's traveled the world, lived in a few different countries. I've moved a couple of hours away from my family and studied and worked. And, and then um, we sort of come together and, and did something together. And we're both sort of those strong personalities that when you come to a point, you think, well, you know, this is something we can't do. Like <laughs> It's quite um, disorientating and it's, uh, it's quite sometimes well, at the beginning, it was a very hard thing to, to, to have on your palate when you're used to not relying on people or to, and not in a bad way, but just like, like, you know, looking after yourself and, and being, um, you know, motivating and achieving things and then you think, okay, well, this is something that we really do need help with. You have to show that vulnerability and that, not a weakness, but that uh, element of um, that you're not capable to do that. And that's, that's it's not an easy thing to do as well. Um, and at the beginning, I think you realise that because you sort of come across it. And then as you go through, you learn, you learn that that's not that bad a thing. It shows... Yeah. Um, you learn things through other people and, and, and trusting other people and doing things with other people. And I think because of this, like, it's a kind of private in, private journey, but you're involving so many people. What works well is we were, Brie and us, we were like on the same page on all, all the subjects and we were supporting each other, facing the rest of, of the world, the lawyers and, and the neighbours. So we were quite supportive. We were a team and we were... It was good to have um, Bree's back and Bree's support on the subjects when we have to go and, and face the rest of the world. And things come up like, you know, on the whole, our families have been great and our friends have been awesome. But you get the old, you know, the odd family member here, an aunt or an uncle or, uh, you know, or, or a, a sister-in-law or a brother-in-law or, you know, and, and, and you think they're not going to shake you. But when it comes the first or second time, it's a bit weird and it does catch you off guard and then you learn the language and you learn you know what you what 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 you want to say to people or what you don't want to say to people and you get better at it I think so um I think it's really interesting what you said about I guess being public about something that is normally private and intimate and I think uh I recall as a surrogate also feeling that the four of us were going to have a baby together and it did feel a bit intrusive that we had to invite everyone else to be involved in that, the lawyers and the counsellors and um, the clinic and everyone else telling us whether or not we could do it. And it, yeah, it felt very odd. But I also think as a woman who becomes pregnant, you find out just how public your pregnancy is when the neighbours want to talk about it and 
the woman at the shop wants to ask about it or touch your belly or whatever. So it kind of, yeah, it's that, it is this kind of mind shift of this is a really private, intimate thing, but we're having to share it with the world because there's the presence of a child here that everyone can see is growing and yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And even when you have a child and you're walking around with the child, it's a similar thing, you know, it's like a people's boundaries drop a bit more they're there it breaks the ice it's the same as working around with a puppy dog you know? mm, <laughs> like that's right. people will come up and talk about that when they wouldn't if you just by yourself and i think pregnancy and birthing is one of those things that people connect across and um and 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 in, in, in a negative space everyone has an opinion on things like that how to raise children how what you should be doing when you're pregnant so you just take some of those things with a grain of salt and and just be, you know, back yourself. And, and, yep. and then you get heaps of support as well. So that's Yeah, that's right. Best. Now, I've interviewed Bree for the podcast, and I'll link it to this post. I think it was about a year ago, so it's somewhere in the episode 40-something. Um, and uh, so Bree became your surrogate, and she lives in Victoria, and you live in Sydney. Tell me what it was like having a surrogate and her family so far away and, and that process for you both. Yeah, for us, it was always, we would have preferred, and we still would have been great if they were like, you know, down the street or something, <laughs> because you just end up missing them. It's like just having friends and family and you just wish they were closer so you can catch up more. Um, but we always thought the relationship, like I still prefer to have someone far away that you're really close and it works really well with than someone really close and the relationship's not as good and you don't get on with. So we gave priority to that. And I think in the journey, that definitely was a massive plus. But the logistics of it is difficult. There's no two ways about it. There's definitely an extra challenge to it. It's not not doable, but it definitely adds uh, an extra complexity. And especially when an extra challenge is not obviously for, 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 sorry, for Bree, um, for us as well, that things that we wanted to do that we would do for even just any friend or any family member, like um, dropping off some meal, picking the kids up from school, or hanging the clothes up on the line. You can't do that. And that's really like challenging because you want to do those things. And it's some, and it, you feel like you can't be yourself to some extent because you have that, the distance takes that away from you. So then obviously you compensate as best you can and you try and cover those bases as best you can. So like we, you know, you get a cleaner if you can or you we you try and go there and cook some meals and put them in the freezers or um, get babysitters or do what you can. But I know it doesn't compare to being there, but um, that was that was probably the yeah. hardest thing for me was not being... Yeah, and when, when there's like um, morning sickness or like a little bit of some challenges... I feel like you had a level of like um, we found like we um, lose like not um, helpless. helpless like we couldn't do anything. You feel and, so hope like you feel like you can't and guilty do as well because you you're like you we know Bree. She will like she will tell us if it's bad like she's feeling bad, but she wouldn't like she would un, under she wouldn't give the full extent how bad it is. <laughs> she would cover a bit. You know, like, so that's hard. So we feel like duty, we can't be there. And the logistics, the actual logistics of traveling back and forth, yes, that's difficult, but I don't think that's the hardest part. Because like if we if you meet someone on the other side of Sydney and you go to cross the city, that can take a couple of hours anyway. So the, the the challenge was more that not being able to be there and assist 
Mm-hmm. One of the challenges is like we need to come in Sydney to do the transfer. So partner uh, at the time need to like look after the kid or find some babysitters or yeah. it's not just catching a flight. They're like yeah. three kids and husband and job to handle. And, and the logistics of that was difficult. Difficult Absolutely. because us when like as a like couple with our kids is like okay we book a weekend we take a Friday for the scan but kind of like a holiday break. Um, for surrogate to traveling for a transfer, managing the three kids, meals for husband and work, shifting things. Um, it's not holiday. <laughs> it's probably uh, very complicated. And when you're like, you have to do multiple transfer and, and especially when you go for a traditional surrogacy, you have to like time it. You have like um, half an hour, you know, like very short notice. You have, oh, okay, but ovulation time we need to go. It's very like a bit difficult. When it is, and even now post, post-birth and just um, like Hazel growing up, it's like we would wish we could have them around more and wear around them more. So that's hard. It's like having, it's just like having any other extended family away that you're close to. And you go through such big things in life together that you you have a really, you have a big bond there, obviously. Yeah. And, um, and even, you know, their kids, we've seen them grow up over the, last few years so it's, it's, it's a little bit like my niece and nephew and my family they're in france so i'm missing all the good events like the weddings and, and birthdays and and i wish i'll be there and i wish i can be more for my nephew there and i feel the same with brie and her kids like we're doing a birthday or something and we want to be here with us or we want to go there melbourne is not over of the world, oh, so that's right. world. That, that does so actually it does help us put it in perspective a bit with patrick's family at the other end of the world that is um it's another level altogether like we try and see them every two years or so just to stay connected but in that two-year gap obviously the goodbyes are so hard and then victoria interstates just as hard but different level of hard like we can still see them every six months or every year at least it's not every two years like it's so hard with Patrick's family and they do grow up and things happen and it's life, life events happening in you. And you try it. And it's good this day and age with technology, but it's still, it's hard. And it's mm. so hard on Patrick and it's hard even with me because it's my extended family as well. So it's like, um, and with Hazel, you know, like all her cousins over there and her, her, her grandma and grandfather and all. And yeah. And the thing it's you're missing birthdays and weddings, but as when, uh, when bad things happen, it's even harder because you feel like guilty. You haven't seen like, help. So. Yeah, and all my like my parents and uncles they're like in the close to the eighties now and not getting healthier. So mm. every time I see them, it's like um, I feel like um, it's a quite heavy and hard. But so I think like they're, they're kind of like with the family. It's like they're they're there and it's over the other side of the world, so it's massive to get there. But you're not having a kid together, so it's less intense things are happening, but still intense things are happening. But then when you're having a kid and it's interstate, it's like, it's more intense, but less distance. So it's kind of, they're both complex things. Yeah. And it's, so it's- um, Let's stop talking about my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so there was something I wanted to have a chat with you about. Bree decided that she was going, she obviously went through the process with you. She eventually fell pregnant with Hazel and she wanted to have a home birth and it was actually planned that way when she first talked to you about the option of a home birth how did you feel about it do you have any knowledge of what a home birth might be like and did you have any ideas about whether you'd be okay with it 
we sort of just had to think about it and then we did a bit of research and um, had a chat to Brie about it. And then we, because um, Brie had done it before and again, we, we had the similar kind of ideas about medical profession and we, you know, insurances and, and um, intervention, um, pregnancy intervention and that kind of thing. So, um, so I think we were quite we were excited by it. Yeah. The only thing that was like uh, bring concern is the distance from uh, CMO to the hospital. That's right. I think because I think when we originally met or were starting to chat with Brett, I think the local hospital there had a um, obstetrician or um, gynecologist there, and they were, I think they would even had a, a birthing uh, like a birth ward there. And then I think a couple of months in, it closed because. The, the main doctor there left and they never replaced him. So they closed that hole. So then I went to the next hospital, which was like an hour, more than an hour away. And then we were like, uh, not sure how we feel about an hour, especially because we've never been through a pregnancy before or a birth. We thought, how quick do things move? What if something goes wrong? That kind of thing. So then we chatted about that. And then we sort of thought, okay, what would we all feel comfortable with and where what, what could work? And then we thought, okay, what about if we just try and like, get a place close-ish to the hospital, not super, not next door to it, obviously, but, um, and then at least then we can either birth there or if it happens quickly, birth at home, but at least we've got a, a place that's... That's um, not hospital. Not hospital. Might not be home, but might not, but not hospital. So we, we kind of planned oh, that and then, um, and then in retrospect, it, it didn't doesn't go super fast at the beginning. So you, you feel like I can understand why um, a home birth is... is to be honest, I wish we... Like, it would be cool, very cool to have a home birth. But um, what we had was pretty close to it. I think it was like... Because we had a, a private midwife, which was awesome. At the beginning, we didn't understand the benefit of that because it was just the appointments. We went to a few appointments together and yeah, it was great not having to explain our story. And she definitely felt, made us feel comfortable. And really two helped, guys. And helped because of the distance. We couldn't, they like full, like full support to bring next. Yeah, close, close and consistency of care and all that was awesome. And then when we went through the birthing process and we got admitted to the hospital, that midwife, she has a... Uh, uh, a relationship with that hospital that she has admission rights, so she could, could be the main midwife still inside the hospital with birthing there. So we've got like just a room, private room there. We had the, I think it's the gynecologist coming every, or the obstetrician, doctors coming every now and again. But otherwise, it was our midwife and her team. So you had uh, um, two of the others coming and going. Um, and that was just like, so valuable at that point in time because you we have no idea it's quite a stressful time and an exciting time but she was kind of like the translator between the hospital and all that's happening out there and us and she really we knew she had our backs and there was um you know she knew what brie wanted what brie wanted what we were hoping for as well and there was you know there was like elevated no the, the heartbeat slowed a bit so they were getting worried and i think they had um I don't think she had the cord around her neck or anything, but it was something. Short to, the cord, it was short, so when it's going down, oh, it was like right. cutting a bit there. Yeah, she had a, a very short umbilical cord. Um, so, yeah, her, whenever there was a contraction, her heart rate was slowing and they were getting really worried about that. And she was helping us translate all that information. And that was just so invaluable at that time. And, um, and the other benefit we got is like we birthed at 
three hazel was born at three fifty a.m. or something like that. So pre birth to then, and then by like seven thirty a.m. we were out the door. We weren't like sure of this, so Bree was like happy for us. So what we did was Bree and us, us two and Hazel, all went back to that um, the place that it was an Airbnb place we we hired, um, and we all stayed there for like a couple of days, pretty much till the next morning and the next night, and um, that was a really special quiet time for us as well. Like we didn't get the home birth, but we still got that, like. You know, when you're in a, in a hospital setting, there's only one space and it's, it's very, you know, clinical and... Go to the coffee machine and come back. Whereas this, we were there, we had, you know, like we were all there resting, recovering together and it was quite special. And, and pre um, breastfed Hazel for that first 24 hours okay. or so. And then um, I remember, and then the midwife, obviously, she came straight away. So we had that care there and then she left us and I was like, oh my God, what do we do now? And then she came back the next morning or next night and did more. Like we, then we had the Hazel's first yeah. wash and that kind of thing. So, and then um, Bree's partner at the time and, the, and, and their children came and, and even yeah. Bree's mother-in-law came but, that evening. And so they, and then Bree went home with them and we stayed with Hazel. And then that was our first night. I remember thinking, oh my God, this is up to us now. <laughs> you know, it's been so much <laughs> of a lead up to this. And now it's all us. So that was like an exciting night and also quite terrifying. And what was good as well, it's um, for at the birth, there was, um, uh, Bree's mum was there the whole time and could come the next day. So we went in this room, private room with Bree, the midwife. Two midwives. Assistants, we, yeah, two yeah, midwives Bree's, we knew. Bree's mum. Uh, so, um, okay, quite... that might be a bit overwhelming <laughs> for a brie with so many people, but it was quite like really were, personal though. Like it, it did feel. Personal. I think it was as personal a hospital experience yeah. as you could get. So we felt like it was still, you know, intense. But it yes. was, I and guess. we we still wish it was a home birth. But um, um, I think it was because of pressure, blood pressure or something. Oh, or yeah, high blood pressure had well. to get admitted. But the that private midwife is awesome. I definitely would recommend if people have an opportunity to do that, and because they had admission rights that. After the birth, I really could see the 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 added benefit of it and the the intimacy of it. Um, at the and you feel like you someone, it's, someone have your back and someone have your best interest at heart. Yeah, so that was and, like and really Reece's good. Best interest at heart as well. As well, which made us feel reassured because we're obviously worried for both Bree and for the baby for Hazel, and and we don't you don't know much about it because you haven't experienced it yourself. You haven't. Given yeah, we just feel like we're in the room and already don't know anything and like beeping everywhere and like what's happening. Hello. I feel like we can, we know that the private midwife will be like, know what she's doing and have Bree's best interest, the baby best interest. Mm. Even even if it's like, I'm, the private midwife will have even Bree and the best interest even before us, which is probably good, good for yeah. the support. For for a surrogate because she feel like she we're not going to push her. It's the private midwife was Bree's best interest at heart first. So yeah, so that was awesome. So if there was a tough call between the, the surrogate and the baby, the surrogate would come first, and it will be the, like private midwife would probably push for like support. That mm. and just understand why the hospital's doing things and why they because you know if they push for a Caesar, are they doing it preemptive? Is it you know is there a, 
is it severe enough that that should happen? Is it not? Is it because this doctor's more keen to do that than that doctor? Um, and so if, all those if, sort if of you don't know that, Brie and history, it's like, you know, they're just following the book. And with a like private midwife, she knows Brie, she knows uh, what's happened with the previous pregnancy. So it was very good to have like this. Uh, yeah, because it's not, you know, it's like us too, like we're gay dads. And then also on top of that, it's a surrogacy journey as well. So it's quite a complicated birthing situation for. Um, a hospital that perhaps hasn't done something like that. I don't know if they've had before, but it was it was really cool. I, so I do we were... think you're right, though, that any sort of surrogacy birth should have um, care providers, whether it's private midwife or doula or uh, one-to-one midwifery care, where you don't have to retell your story. They understand the dynamic and the relationships and the needs of everyone involved so that you don't have to explain it to somebody that's just arrived on shift and has to get across it because that's not actually good for anyone to have to explain in the moment or have to keep re-explaining it every time you meet a new person yeah that's right and it ends up being a distraction to the real thing you know which is the care Mm -hmm. of the of of the woman birthing of the baby so it's um and every time you get someone new you might have a different opinion and different Mm -hmm. direction and pushing you and feel like we don't know what we're doing and and adding more stress to the journey which was awesome because then it meant that the us being parents was a non-event it being a surrogacy journey was a non-event the only event was the birthing which is like we was the birth which is exactly what you want obviously the all your attention the the woman and the baby yeah so that's that was, I think, um, we didn't even have to think about, oh, are they going to let us both in? Like, um, Andrea organised all that, and it was just amazing. So that was, we were very fortunate with that, I think. Mm. Could have been better if we birthed at home, but look, not, it's the best we could get not birthing at home, I think, so we were pretty stoked. That's that. really good to hear your perspectives too, because I know lots of intended parents would be, um, I guess, unknowing about home birth and why a surrogate might want a home birth. So it's really good to hear your perspectives about that. Oh yeah, we always just thought though that um, that we're going to be the parents and it is going to be our family. But um, it's 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 Bree's pregnancy; it was her birth, so we were we were supportive of of her ideas of what she wanted to do with that because that's that's her. Like that's that's her birth. Like I know it's our our birth in some respects as well, but it's, it, 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 the, the truth of it is it it's her her body. It's her, it's really her birth, that event. So we were, we felt like supporting actors um, that didn't have many lines. <laughs> so it was kind of, we kind of acknowledged, she already gave birth three times and we like, don't even like. So we were happy to, happy to support her, whatever supported her, supported us really. So we took that perspective. And, and I think because we built a big, uh, strong relationship with Brie, we knew that she would do it like, she will do her best and she will take the right decision. So we trusted her with the birth as well. So that some people say, oh, you should do more research and get less. Research. And say, uh, yeah, but I think we trust Brie. And, and we did research though. Like every time, you know, the doctor said, okay, maybe you should have this or that or particularly fertility doctors and things because they're used to prescribing a lot of things, I guess. Um, we'd always say, okay, can, do you have to do that? Do you, is it required? Um, and then with stuff like that, though, yeah, we felt like she had a lot, like all the experience. So we were happy with that. Like, we thought, yeah, yeah why not? we'd like to comment. So I read in a book, uh, saw in the internet, she had like three births uh, and a private midwife. 
So we kind of respected that and we kind of appreciated it. It's like, we don't want to make all the decisions. It's, it's a joint effort here. Like we don't want it to be all up to yeah. us. And mm. she, it's not that she didn't take any decision or like she, well, she took decision, but she just asked us what we were thinking or we were up to. And even for the home birth, yeah, we talked about it and said, yeah, we, we're happy with that. And actually we, we love the idea as well. So, but we were like, oh, let, let's, see what we like our concern or because we have no clue what was the risking or so and like asked the private his wife and so i think she she didn't took the decision with an, without asking us she just asked us as well and we were supporting her the, her choice she was taking so mm, i think yeah, that's she, exactly she that like, we were supporting her and, and trusting her with uh, her knowledge her body and the private midwife she already used a few times and, and you know we a lot of things we didn't know about women and cycles before so we like we trusted her yeah and i think if that was that's the reason why you need to build a big strong relationship with with a surrogate even before to start and i think you end up talking about things so fluidly things that are generally taboo topics or things you wouldn't normally talk about, like menstruation and sperm and and cycles and and then and hard things like miscarriages and and failed pregnancies and and exciting things like positive pregnancy tests and it's like such a huge emotional and um, personal and public thing that it's it's pretty intense. So I can you, know, you can. It's um, it's pretty, it's a bit incomparable like that, and it's drawn over such a period as well. It's not like all happens. So there's just different things coming up, or you know, as you go through this these stages, it's quite a, it's just such a big life event. I think for the intended parents and for the surrogates and for the women involved in their families, and 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 obviously it's a huge thing for the person born of it in the end it's the beginning of their life that's right um so i know hazel is now nearly three what's been happening in the last couple of years because when i spoke to brie last year you were uh, you had switched over to a sibling journey with traditional surrogacy can you bring us up to date on what's been happening since then yeah, so we, after having Hazel, we sort of like chilled for a while and just all regrouped and just, um, we were raising Hazel and we were raising busy. her kids. Yeah. And then uh, we sort of touched base again a little bit later and thought, okay, well, um, I think Brie approached us and said, oh, you Actually, she, she came quite soon after the birth, six months after for the long um, holidays, the summer holidays with uh, the girls. Yeah. We saw her quite a few times after and that. she knew we were like thinking and she offered us to be a egg donor at first because and we were like uh, obviously uh, very happy um, about this and so so we said oh, well, we're going to have a look for like search for a surrogate because for us like um, she wasn't ready to be a surrogate again but she was happy to be an egg donor so she um, but um, a year after she That's proposed to be a traditional surrogate. Yeah, so we put ourselves out there a bit and just tried to see if we could connect with anyone in that space. And then um, 
didn't happen in that time. And then, uh, uh, then yeah, Brie came back to us and said, okay, well, guys, if, if you want, we can give it one last shot and um, see if we can do the sibling journey and we can do it traditional if you like. And we were like, oh, traditional. Well, first of all, that's amazing. Thank you so much. That is like, you know, lost for words. And I remember where we were. We were at, going for a walk at Manly. <laughs> I remember when you brought it up. And, um, and then we thought at the beginning of the journey, I don't think we would have considered traditional surrogacy. We thought, oh, you know, it's probably a bit too intense or, oh, I don't know, like a bit full on. <laughs> and then um, after going through it and building a relationship and, and going through IVF and everything as well, we, and being through um, egg donation and counting for that. And, um, and I think Hazel, at the start of a journey we, before Hazel, you think about, oh, the genetics is important. Um, and you will just wish like, like blue eyes, smart, and blonde hair. Or, and when you get the, uh, um, Hazel is born, the only thing you care about is very healthy and, and a smiley. And so you definitely put the genetic in, like, way back in the back burner and like, in the level of priority very low. So, but the thing is, I think Brie genetic would have been a very, is like an amazing gift as well. So, but yeah, the, so the genetic part is just less important when we started the second journey. So, well, I, and I think I'm not so less important, but it's you come to terms with it that there's a lot of issues and um, and thought needs to be given about what the genetic relationship will imply as the child grows and and for the person birthing and for us as well and. Uh, and, and the same with birthing and with surrogacy. So it's kind of like egg donation and surrogacy. And you think, okay, if you mesh them together, how do you feel about that? Then there is, um, it's more com complicated, obviously. There's a lot more layers there. It's like you're adding two cakes together. So you've got a like double layer cake. There's all different levels to each of those items and they play out differently. Um, so then we thought, okay, well, will this fit? Will this work? And for us, we thought, yeah, I think it will now. And um, will it suit Brie as well? And we thought, yes, it would. And then that's why we went ahead with that at the end. But at the beginning, I think you're sort of getting your head around surrogacy and the whole idea of someone else carrying your baby and, and birthing and how will that play out? How do the legalities work? And then once you sort all that stuff out, it becomes a bit more normalised. That traditional surrogacy, yes, it's another leap, but because you've already made so much ground on a lot of these items that it's just that little extra bridge to get over. And if it fits well, then, then um, you know, why not? And, and then it can work really awesomely. So um, then we tried traditional surrogacy. So we tried for... Um, year I think it was and we, the first time I think was just around I think we were there for Christmas so we were spending Christmas with um, Bree's uh, partner's family and just because we wanted to spend the kids all together for the Christmas and uh, and then we, that was when we started we had done our obviously everything before like the counselling and um, legals and everything uh, and then we I think we got a positive that first time so we were like blown out of the water but it was super early and then we lost that pregnancy that wasn't to be so that was a bit hard it was like only a couple of weeks later and then we sort of tried for another few months and uh, and trying just sounds so easy it's like you're just trying but it's like that whole thing of you know 
you do you don't a lot of clinics won't um, facilitate traditional surrogacy, so you're generally doing it at home. You think, okay, you got to think about um, people's partners. How do they feel about things? Where do you do this? The logistics of it. How do you time it? It's a matter of timing things so that you know the sperm's not too long in the air. And um, do you do it in the garage or the bathroom, or do you hire a hotel? So it's all those kind of weird things that. And at the end of the day, it all becomes a bit normal as well. No, <laughs> like um, or can I say it's it, it is awkward, but if it's not awkward, there's something wrong, you know. <laughs> it's probably That's true right. as well. Exactly, and I've talked to Katrina Hale about this in particular about traditional surrogacy and home insemination, and she says it's healthy if it's awkward. You would be worried if it wasn't awkward because then it's not really. It's that healthy boundaries that we should have between each other and you're crossing those boundaries to try and make a baby. So yeah, it's meant to be awkward. Yeah, the context of it just is really strange, I think, at times. And, and you just have a bit of humour with it. And, and um, I don't know, like, it's funny when you just navigate through it and somehow you do you just navigate through it. Try to focus on the logistics, like, especially when you're, like, Melbourne, Sydney, you have to travel and... Yeah, and the, and the timing thing's a difficult thing with that, you know. Like, if you're travelling interstate and you're trying to time as well as you can. and Organising um, kids, like babysitters. And, and babysitters on both sides and things like that. So, that's that's a tricky thing. Like, it's all doable, but it's definitely... Um, challenging. Yeah, definitely challenging. So, and then, uh, yeah, so we kept trying and then, then we fell pregnant again. I think it was three and the girls came down for... Hazel's birthday, <laughs> and um, we were trying then because I just felt fell on the cycle, and then we fell pregnant that time, and uh, then we had like six six scan, and that was good, and then we had we went down for the twelve week scan, and and sadly we had a missed miscarriage at that point, and that was quite heavy and hard because we didn't we had like very intense morning sickness as well throughout from the beginning, pretty much for about 10, 10 11, 12 weeks. So, um, well, not 10 weeks, because it's probably two weeks, maybe four eight weeks, weeks 10 yeah, weeks. So, yeah, it was, um, that was really hard, I guess, mm. as hard as any miscarriages, I guess. And uh, we sort of had to regroup ourselves and, um, and work through that. And, uh, and then once that happened, Bree told us uh, that uh, she had promised herself and that her family that that would be her pregnant, last pregnancy regardless of the outcome before we had the 12 weeks here. And we totally respected that and understood that and like loved her anyway for everything she's ever done for us. And we could totally understand like there's such a huge part of her life, that big chunk of life that she gave so much for us and for us creating our family that we, we couldn't just expect her to, to go on forever because her kids are growing up. We saw the kids growing up in front of our eyes and, and you know, you where and you feel selfish and that's the hard thing from an intended parent point of view is you do, you feel selfish that you're taking something away from other people and you can't, and you can't do anything about that. Like, so that's a really hard thing to reconcile with. And that was kind of like, you can't do it yourself, but you, it's hard to, 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 to go through that but you really respect that so when she said okay well, that was going to be my last pregnancy regardless of outcome, positive or negative we had nothing but love for her we thought well thank you for everything it, it would have taken a, a, a lot of strength for her to like um 
let go as well. And so, to even tell us that, you know, like that was like a double thing for her, like mm. not only mourning that, but also feeling her feelings for us. So because she, she 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 would have felt a bit guilty and everything. So um, and it's just a time of a miscarriage. You have to always to deal with. Uh, the loss, but as well for the end of the journey as well. Yeah, so like that was intense, and we all like supported each other through that, and kept touching base and spending time together. And I think that helped a lot. And um, and everyone's a bit different, you know. Like everyone has different perspectives and mourns different. So we're just we're all different people as much as we have mm-hmm. things in common, and we all respect that about each other. And um, and then yeah, and then we got through that. Like we took a took a while to all everyone to heal and get back on track. Um, and then we kind of thought, okay, well, we have to reconcile ourselves with being like an only child family and Hazel potentially not having siblings. And uh, that took a bit of time as well because you just have to reconcile your things with yourself with ideas. And, and we always had the perspective of, you know, like, we just don't want to have any regrets that we didn't try anything and put things out there. And that's why we thought, okay, we'll, we'll do one more spin and put it out there and see what happens in the, this world of ours. And, and that's, then that's where led us to where we are now. And, and we just thought we'll put ourselves out there for a sibling journey. And if it happens, it happens. And if, if it doesn't, then at least we did everything we could. Um, and if it happens, how awesome would that be? And, um, but you still have that feeling of like, that, that you are going to have to like rely or t- someone else has to do something so personal for you and you feel wish you could, you, they didn't need to do that. And then I know as well, because we've thought, okay, we want to give. Yeah, you feel a bit selfish. It's that double-edged thing. And then you think, okay, well, we would love to have to see Hazel grow up with this evening and have that family. So it's a... It's just one of those things we thought, put it out there. And if the, if the stars align and then it works, then it, then it works because the person on the other side can, can have things that are rewarding for them and it's their journey as well. So, and then we had the same feelings about, we always said to ourselves, okay, if we do this, we'd love to give something back as well. And we always thought this even before we did charity. So we've um, been thinking about sperm donation and we've helped a couple fall pregnant as well via sperm donation. And that was our way of thinking okay well it's nice to be on the other side and have those feelings of um being the one to be able to help someone rather than needing the help and that was actually quite empowering for us as well i think so it was funny for the cancelling session for the spam donation because we feel like we've been sitting on the other side yeah it really was the other side so that was actually um and it helped give a bit of perspective. And I know the physical side of it obviously is very different, but the genetic link and all that kind of thing is pretty much the same. So it's you get that that the ongoing thing I think is quite similar, not necessarily to birthing, but I think to perhaps egg donation. I know donating eggs is a lot more difficult and intense process than possibly producing sperm well not maybe we've had a vasectomy or something maybe not but <laughs> fortunately we haven't had a vasectomy um so yeah that was like and it was just nice to be able to 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 do that um and and i think that's made us appreciate and have a better understanding of it and just i don't know you feel a bit more like the world is um I don't know, you just, there's small things, but I guess they're huge things as well, but they make the world a better place. I really do think that those small things just change the world for the better. And to be able to be a part of that on both sides 
um, and to know our families created from that and our family, we can create families like that as well is, I just like that the world moved in that direction. So I think it's, it's a nice thing. And I just think also the, the definition of family and the idea of family, we, I think in surrogacy, egg donation, sperm donation, um, and even embryo donation, we sort of push the boundaries of that and, and, and stretch it. And I love that idea that we are more inclusive of who we consider family and important to us, rather than saying, these are my children, they're my, I carried them, um, they're my genetic material, I own them, they're the only people in the world I'm gonna care about, I'm not gonna do anything for anybody else, I'm only gonna look after their interests and my own. I don't think that's as nice a world as to think, well, you know, I, our, our idea of family is larger than that and, and the world's more extended family. Yeah, extended and interconnected than that rather than this isolated idea. And I think all these journeys really legally and socially and ethically really push that and I really love that. And that's kind of why we like doing things like podcasts and we did a bit of, little bit of media back when Hazel was born and it was in that interest thinking, oh, we can share that view that and it's come back to that private public thing it forced us to be more public about these things and it's hard but it's also is a good thing in some ways as well so yeah and helping the people to realize that this hope and yeah and even we said you know young gay guys coming through or infertile couples and thinking well there is other opportunities for me and there is awesome people out there and, and and they can get something out of this journey as well and it's not just about us needing help, it's about them wanting to fulfill something in their own personal journey as well. That's, um, that's quite awesome to have that when you're in those early stages, not sure am I ever gonna be able to experience that life or have that life of a family or um, like it just opens your horizon, which changes your life really. Um, I think everything you've said has been amazing. I love that you've become sperm donors in that context of giving back. That's that's amazing. So there's a pregnancy on the way for people that you've donated to. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. that's so that's exciting. Like eight weeks pregnant right now. So. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so where to from here? You were saying that you're sort of putting yourselves out there. Tell me, I guess, if, if you were looking for somebody uh, to have that connection with, are you looking for somebody local this time? Or does it, again, is it more about the connection than about how close they are? Yeah, I think it is more about the connection than the locality. Like if it was local, obviously that would make things so much easier. But again, um, I think if you have the wrong person really close and the right person far away, then I still think even if you had those two options, if you then you have to go with the one with the right relationship. It's, it, there's no two ways about it. It would just be a disaster otherwise. So the, it really is for us, I guess, about just have, having that right click and, and, it, and it works. And it's not just an event. It's not a one-time thing. It's You're hoping that it will be this you know, life, friendship and relationship and um, interconnectedness. So you kind of want, um, you just yeah, hope that you can have that. And we kind of sort of did the same when we were thinking about who we would consider donating to, that you're looking for the connection because there's millions of people out there and there's a lot, everyone has a different idea and a different perspective of things and especially in all different spaces. So 
it would just be connecting with the right people, I think, would definitely be the priority. And I know that when you start the journey and you're quite like innocent and naive and you don't know, you would like to happen fast. But actually, you, with Brie, it took like a little bit, like a fair bit of time with all that. And, but actually, it was very like beneficial to build the relationship with Brie and her family. And now that Hazel is here, it feels like it's went very fast. Yeah, it is. So you were a little bit impatient at the start and want to start. But I think the fact that we have a, a a bit of time before building a strong relationship with Brianna family really, I think was really good in that sense. And now we don't realize that it was took so long and a few attempts before. So, so we, I think people maybe like, you start a bit like impatient. Yeah. yeah. Then you learn and so many things are out of your control. Even when, once you get to the point of even having a relationship and it works well and you go, okay, okay, we're all on board and you go through all the, 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 the counseling and the, legals and then you try and then you're just like every other couple in the world trying to have a baby you know you're back to just biology and and whether it works or not and then you're just forced to take time and then pregnancies are exactly the same you know every pregnancy is different and every pregnancy goes through their different stages and and then you're just you're just one of humanity another pregnant part of humanity so it teaches you to let go of even that timing thing absolutely like mm. you really um you say, well, that's what you kind of have to just resolve that you do what you can and then the rest you kind of have to let go of. That's really true. And I think this time we will, we're thinking to, to like try SAS as well. I think that's a great opportunity like to have some support in Australia. Um, I think from the early stages, early stages for us way back when, without that much public information available, um, it was very, very difficult. I remember looking at legislation, like literally just reading legislation mm-hmm. and then reading this clinic site, reading that clinic site and everyone has different rules. Uh, and New South Wales one and Victoria one and you're like... Uh, so that was so intense. And now I think it's because it's more social. I know it can be complicated. People have different opinions and it doesn't always flow in the same direction. But um, that sharing of information is so invaluable in the sharing of experiences and i think that's helped a lot and that's why we thought oh we, we'll, we'll put it out there in the media space we'll put it out there in sas we'll we'll just say active in the community patrick volunteered last year i think in the conference like two just, years ago now two years ago sorry <laughs> um and yeah we just sort of thought we'll see what happens but um having any support with the project managing and the, the interrelations and things is always a great thing. Cause we even found, even when we were doing the IVF for Hazel, you kind of had to project manage that yourself, even though it's all happening internal in the clinic, they, it swaps from one nurse to the next nurse, to the next nurse, to the next nurse, depending on what, who's on what shift. And they don't know your whole file and they might just look at the top file. So you really do need to be on top of things. So, it's your guess, so we don't even know who to send the files anyway. Yeah, it's true. So. It does happen like that. So it's like the more um, the more support or structure that people can have or have available and information is just where well, I think it's great great for people. Mm-hmm. And in that interest, that's why I think good to do to share experiences and things. Mm-hmm. Thank you for chatting with me. This has been amazing. It's been so lovely to catch up and hear your story from the last few years. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to add? If you had advice for, say, a young gay couple that are thinking, like you were, I, I won't have children, what would your advice be to them? I think it would just be um, just just go for your dreams. Like, 
don't hold back and then think, okay, what if I did this or what if I didn't do what if I didn't do that or didn't do didn't try this um, and back yourself and just put it out there and don't make it a be all and end all as well. Like be happy with yourself, be happy with your life, mm. and take anything that comes as as a, as a plus and a positive. But don't make it your happiness hinge on that happening yeah. or not. It's kind of like intense and could be life consuming. So it's a long journey as well. So it's like we say, it's not a, it's not like a sprint. It's a marathon. So you need to breathe and keep keep living your life during the. That's it, and enjoy journey, yourself, so. and enjoy. But but know that things can happen, and there's opportunities out there, and um, and just do your best, and then just be happy with your life that you live, really. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.